on, uh, 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 suppose that there's a villain, suppose that now the villain says he's A when he is really B. Hi everyone, if you're a lawyer here in Victoria like me, you'll know that Law Week is just around the corner. It starts on the 14th of May, it runs till the 20th. It's run by the Victoria Law Foundation. There are hundreds of events and activities and services for you to check out. It's happening here in Melbourne and throughout regional Victoria. It's all on the Law Foundation website, so please go and take a look, www.victorialawfoundation.org.au. In making this episode, I was reminded that even if you ignore the Fantastic Law Week program, there are many, many ways for a lawyer to spend their Sunday. I know a few listeners are nursing a hangover from a Saturday night with friends. Some have been up since very early and they're out riding in the hills somewhere. Some of you are serial brunches. Some will be enjoying time with family. Some might be working away at a hobby. Some will be actually working. Some will be feeling excited and energised about the week to come, and some will be far less thrilled about what Monday promises. In late April, I spent a Sunday afternoon at Owen Dixon Chambers in Melbourne. I'd been invited to record a group of lawyers, judges, students, and even some non-lawyers who were using their Sunday to pursue a creative outlet and pursue it with a wonderful community of people who were clearly very driven to put on a great show and have a great time while doing it. They have all taken the opportunity, with varying levels of trepidation, to joke, sing and dance their way through two famous legal cases in front of a live audience. Kylie Weston-Scheiber. I'm a barrister at the Victorian Bar and I'm also the director of Bottle Snail Productions' upcoming production of Famous Cases in Song, The Snail in the Bottle and The Carbolic Smoke Will Co. I'll just cut in here quickly because I know your immediate question will be how and where do I get tickets to this amazing sounding show? I'll let Kylie give you the details. Famous Cases will be performed in the Law Library of Victoria from the 17th to the 19th of May as part of Law Week. If you'd like to get tickets, you can go to Bottled Snail's website, which is www.bottledsnail.com. So Donoghue and Stevenson is one of the seminal cases that all law students know. And one of the reasons I decided to direct this production was because it's the namesake for Bottled Snail Productions. And Donoghue and Stevenson is the genesis of negligence law in tort. And Mrs. Donoghue one day went to a cafe with her friend and uh, the friend ordered a bottle of ginger beer. And Mrs. Donoghue drank the ginger beer. And when she got to the bottom of the bottle, there was the remains of a decomposed snail in the beer. And from that, she became physically ill. And because she hadn't purchased the bottle herself, her friend had, she wasn't able to sue the manufacturer of the ginger beer in contract. 
And at the time there was no other, apart from I think a few attempts, there was no other uh, legal remedy available to her. And so her solicitor basically ran this novel argument that she could make a claim in law for negligence and that the manufacturer of the ginger beer had been negligent in allowing a snail to get into the beer and ultimately to despoil it and to make her ill. And she ultimately succeeded in that claim. And that's where we get the law of negligence from. And the, the idea of who is your neighbor and a person who is your neighbor has a duty of care in relation to people for whom it is reasonably foreseeable that they will cause harm if they don't take that care. Can you tell me, run me through the story of Carbolic Smokeball? So Carbolic Smokeball Co. is a famous contract law case and the Carbolic Smokeball Company advertised this wondrous ball that was supposed to prevent people from getting the flu. So if you bought the ball and you inhaled from it, then it would stop you from getting the flu. And they advertised that if it didn't work, there was a guarantee that if you use the ball and still became ill, then you would get a £100 reward. And they claimed that they had actually deposited that money with a security company or a, a guarantor to make good on the promise. And Mrs Carlyle used the ball and subsequently did become ill and she sued the Carbolic Smokeball Company and the company claimed that it was just puffery. It was just an advertisement. Nobody would have thought that it was for real and, you know, they weren't liable to pay. And ultimately it was found that the Carbolic Smokeball Co. did have to make good on its promise, that even though she had taken them up on the offer and they didn't know about it, obviously she didn't tell them that she was using the ball. So in that sense, her actions were unilateral in her acceptance of their offer. There was still a binding contract and they had to make good on the promise and pay her the £100 reward. <laughs> How did rehearsal go today? How are you feeling about in the next few weeks? Oh, really well, actually. We've still got another three weeks of rehearsals to go before the show. And normally at this stage of a show, I think I would be feeling much less confident than I am at present. But uh, the cast is doing a great job. Well, from what I heard today, it's going to be an amazing show. I enjoyed it very much having a sneak peek at the rehearsal and I was incredibly impressed. I'm wondering how you came to be involved in Bottled Snail. Well, I moved to Melbourne in 2013 to come to the bar and I had a theatrical and musical background growing up but hadn't done anything for quite some time. The legal profession doesn't always allow you to be involved in creative pursuits easily. But when I came to the bar, I saw there was a flyer for Bottled Snail's production of 12 Angry Men, all barrister cast, and I thought that looks like fun. So I auditioned and got a part in that, performed in that, and that was how I came to know Bottled Snail Productions. And having done that, I then became involved on the committee. I was president for a couple of years and have since become involved in other productions with the company. What was your first role in that first production you were involved in? Well, uh, I think I just had a juror number um, and <laughs> I'm just trying to remember what the juror number was now. I think it was number three, but essentially I was the, ang the really angry one. I was the last holdout. I can't remember who plays the role in the movie and obviously I wasn't playing a man. They actually made the cast change the roles, gender according to who they wanted to play particular roles. When you're thinking about this production and who might be involved in... Um, this operator that you're producing for Law Week. How did you think about the casting process and who you would like to be involved? Well, Bottle Snail Productions 
the idea of it is that it's productions starring or involving lawyers as much as possible. Occasionally we have people from outside. So usually the auditions are opened up to members of the legal profession. The only difference with this one was we really wanted to focus on having judges in the cast. Judges have always been able to audition for productions, but we've never specifically targeted our auditions at judges and specifically invited members of the judiciary to become involved. And so that's what we did this time. And as a result, half of the 12 cast are judges or tribunal members, which has been really great. What was behind that vision of having judges, members of the judiciary involved in this production? Well, Bottle Snail Productions has had a close involvement with the Tristan Jepson Memorial Foundation, which is a foundation started by Murray Jepson, which is focused upon improving mental well-being in the legal profession. And it's about looking at the fact that, you know, lawyers are often involved in very high-stress occupation. And part of the, the rationale for Bottle Snail Productions is it gives lawyers a creative outlet. It gives them something that they can enjoy in their spare time and something to kind of relieve the stress. And Recently, there's been a focus on mental well-being in the judiciary as well. There have been a couple of high-profile people who've spoken about um, their experiences as members of, of the judiciary of anxiety and depression. So following up on that, we wanted to be able to involve members of the judiciary in this production and give them that same creative outlet that other legal professionals have been able to access. wonder if it's animal or vegetable or mineral. A makes a deal with party B or C if it's collateral. With words that sometimes accent aren't in any way equivocal. My name is Ian Wolford and I got involved uh, very recently with the company I saw their, their production of Into the Woods a few months ago and I thought it was fantastic. So I saw they had a show coming up and I decided to audition for it. Do you practice law? No, in fact, I love that you were on a podcast called, called Was It Lawyer by Day? Because I am not a lawyer by day at all, but I guess now I'm a singing lawyer by night. And uh, during the day, I'm a, a lecturer at La Trobe University in, in foreign language. I teach Hindi language. So it's really nice of them all to let me join the, the production for this. How did you come as a professor of language and uh, focus on Hindi? How did you become a musical person and someone who would be involved in Bottled Snail and this production? Well, before I, I actually studied music as an undergraduate and before I moved out to Australia for this job as a Hindi professor, I actually was a, a somewhat amateur opera singer. So that's how my, my interest in this happened. What do you think about the stories of Donahue and Stevenson and Carbolic Smokeball? Do you relate to them in any way or like they strange stories to you as a, a non-lawyer? I think the stories are fantastic. I didn't know about them beforehand, but I've really enjoyed reading them and just seeing how common sense and just people's actual lives has to be taken into account in the law, and I've really just enjoyed learning about that. That's wonderful. Well, thanks for talking to us for Lawyer by Day and for this episode for Law Week. Mark, thanks very much. You're watching Ian for all of this, okay? Just watching Ian being generally interested, and then all's well we're happily it is clear that everything's consensual. Shaking hands, patting each other on the back. You are a practicing barrister and obviously have a very busy practice. How do you approach the idea of loading yourself up with so much work involved in running a production like this? You know, sourcing the cast, talking to people about getting involved, rehearsals on a sun on every Sunday, like I've attended today. 
How do you think about having the energy for all of that and also looking after yourself in the way that bottled snail would have us all look after ourselves? That's something that we are quite aware of at Bottle Snail and making sure, because it can be stressful running a production and making sure that it's the process isn't counterproductive in that sense. That's part of the reason why we have rehearsals on Sundays or, or at least on the weekends because a lot of amateur theatre companies have rehearsals at night during the week. And for practising legal professionals, if you're in the middle of a trial or something like that, it's virtually impossible to get away at night for a rehearsal. So that's why we have our rehearsals on the weekends. And we usually try to make the rehearsal period fairly confined. So for famous cases, for example, we have an eight-week rehearsal period, which isn't too onerous, means people can commit to something that's manageable and it's just four hours on a Sunday afternoon. But in terms of fitting it into my schedule, I suppose I'm just the sort of person who if I wasn't doing this, I would probably just be working. (laughs) So I wouldn't be sitting around watching TV or reading a book. So for me, it's like scheduling in something where for four hours or, or more a week, I just don't think about work at all. I don't think about law. I think about the musical and how it's going to work and it also makes me do things that I wouldn't ordinarily do. I've I've not directed very much. I've only directed once in the past since high school. So it kind of provides new opportunities for me to do unusual things as well <laughs> and exercise parts of my brain that don't normally get exercised. Of course. Compared to productions you've been involved in that haven't had a cast full of lawyers and judges, What does a production and rehearsals and performance involving a whole bunch of lawyers, how is that different to a production involving non-lawyers? It's not different in some senses, I suppose. This production is a little bit different in the sense that we have quite a wide range of performing experience amongst the cast, whereas I suppose in a high-level amateur production or perhaps, you know, a small amateur production, you might have most of the cast having similar levels of experience, not always. But in this cast, we have a couple of very seasoned performers, right through to people who've never been on stage before. I suppose the other difference is that, you know, when you have judges and barristers and solicitors, you can, in fact, be involved in a cast with, for example, someone who you're opposed to in a matter. You know, you can have people who've been opposed in a case or are opposed in a case who are coming together on a Sunday and whereas they're sort of at war during the week, they're coming together to sing together on a weekend. I don't think there are any situations of that presently happening, but that's always a possibility with bottled snail productions that you can have people who you work with and sometimes can be involved in disputes with during the week, but you come together in a collegiate and fun environment on the weekend and forget about that, put that to one side and and sing and have fun. Does everyone remember what no, they're doing there? I'm Josh Wilson, a judge of the Federal Circuit Court of Australia. Judge, thank you very much for being on Lawyer by Day for Law Week. Hi, Mark. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity. I love your podcast, by the way. Wonderful. I'm glad you enjoy it. I was hoping that you'd be able to tell me a bit about how you got involved in Bottled Snail. Bottled Snail uh, is dear to my heart because I'm the patron of it and uh, have held that position for a number of years now. Bottled Snail must be coming up to its 10th anniversary. Don't know if you know about its origins, but it began coincidentally upon the very unfortunate and sad passing of Tristan Jepson, who was a young lawyer who took his own life because of concerns with overwork, mental health issues, driven by just plain exhaustion and whatever else. So Bottle Snail 
responded with a whole lot of people who were very focused on this thing, establishing an outlet. Lawyers by day, you're familiar with that concept, uh, get together and on a weekend vent their artistic bent by doing everything from comedy, music, uh, theatre, largely all arrays of music uh, up for grabs. We have orchestras, we have a jazz band, we have a rock band, we have a former member of Bottle Snails participating in the comedy festival now, and as you've heard from Ian, we just put on a production of Into the Woods not long ago. So whatever might be your talent, there is an outlet. Even if you play the spoons, that's fine. I'm sure we can use you in a show. It's a wonderful, wonderfully holistic and genuinely well-meaning and well-intended outlet for people to express themselves in a way that's beyond book smart. To be a patron of an organisation like this is a significant and yeah, admirable role. How do you come to also be a performer in these types of productions and have this dual role? Oh, well, I answer the call. Kylie, our producer, is amazing. She is one of the most talented barristers around, but she's an incredibly gifted muso. And uh, the word got out after she, well, she'll tell you how this production came into existence, but she gave me some advance notice of it, asked if I would get involved. I jumped at the challenge, but I, one of my sisters, her honour Judge Judy Small, is also an incredibly talented uh, musician, so Kylie asked me and her honour to get involved, which we very enthusiastically did. Wonderful, Judge. Thanks very much for being on Lawyer by Day. I appreciate it. All right, let's go back to where, so whether it is animal or vegetable or meat. So I understand you studied law and music at Queensland University of Technology. Is that right? I studied a Bachelor of Music first at okay. QUT. That was my first degree out of high school. And when I finished that, I went on to study Bachelor of Arts Law at University of Queensland. Because I also understand that you won the university medal for your law degree, but also for your music degree. It made me think that you didn't have the luxury of being less good at one of your studies to help you decide what to do. How did you decide after a music degree and a law degree that you were going to be a practicing lawyer? Well, um, like many things in my life, it's just by chance or fate that I ended up being a lawyer because I studied music out of out of high school because I loved it and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to be a teacher and I just really wanted to play the piano as well as I could. And I studied that for three years and really loved it. And then I actually applied for postgraduate a postgraduate position at university and I knew that they were only going to accept two pianists from all of Australia and it was pretty good chance I wouldn't be one of them. And I was about to go overseas for six weeks, so I thought I'd better have a backup option. And I was always interested in law and used to watch Law and Order and all of those cliched things that you do when you're in high school. The same story so many lawyers have. And then I came back from overseas and I, I didn't get into postgraduate music, so law it was. And luckily I, I really loved the law and was very happy to go into practice being a lawyer. And I was probably never really cut out to be a concert pianist anyway. So it was all fine in the end. But it wasn't, it was a decision that was made for me. It wasn't one that I had to make. Thinking about the time after your law degree and when you came to legal practice, when did it become clear to you that you wanted to be an advocate, that you wanted to be a barrister and that that would be your future? I think it was something that I always had in my mind and I suppose there's never really a completely right time to go to the bar. You just, it's, it's something you decide. And I was an advocate for a number of years. I, I worked as a prosecutor in Canberra where you're essentially performing the role of counsel. I think a lot of it is the, 
desirability of working for yourself because as a barrister, of course, you work as a sole practitioner and the idea that you will just be completely responsible for your own work and not have anyone telling you what to do and be completely independent and that was a big part of what appealed to me. So it just sort of became, I suppose, at some point in time I realised that I felt ready to do that and uh, I'd been admitted, I think, for about eight years at the time. So I sat the bar exam and passed and luckily <laughs> and away I went. Consensual and a big, big pause. Okay. Judge, thank you very much for being on Lawyer by Day and for this episode on Bottled Snail for Law Week. Oh, it's very kind of you to interview me. Thank you for allowing me to participate in your podcast. I'm a fan of your podcast. Wonderful. I didn't know. Would you be able to introduce yourself, Judge, and explain a little bit about how you got involved in Bottled Snail? Sure. My name's Associate Justice Mary Jane Eridiakonu. I have gone to Bottled Snail performances and I'm a fan of Bottled Snail and I particularly like how they encourage well-being amongst the legal profession and beyond indeed. Most of the time, the funds they raise go to the Tristan Jepson Memorial Foundation, which works very hard to promote wellbeing in the law and amongst the community generally. So a call went out to participate in a performance for Law Week, and I have to admit, at first, I didn't put my hand up. Why not? <laughs> I thought that um, I already get a lot of opportunities to speak publicly and I also participate in a community choir and I thought, oh, there'll be other people who can take up that opportunity who maybe don't already have it. And then I got the personalised email. <laughs> so I thought I'd better put my hand up at that point in time. How is this different to other performances you might do? So speaking in public as judges have that important role or in other choirs that you might sing in. How is Bottled Snail different to those experiences? One of the things that I love about Bottled Snail is that it works to promote collegiality and collaboration between the performers themselves who come from a range of different places in the legal profession. So in this performance, we have the judiciary, we have solicitors, we have barristers, we have law students. And I also like the fact that they are very focused on wellbeing. For me, a challenge is going to be the choreography. Oh. How's that coming along? Are you there yet? <laughs> it's a work in progress. <laughs> you still have time. <laughs> Luckily. Judge, thank you very much for being on Lawyer by Day for Law Week. Thank you very much for interviewing me. Yet breaking deals without a care becomes most disputational. And then the turn. From my perspective as a solicitor, I've often thought that the bar can seem a pretty solitary place sometime as well. Is there a real role for organisations like Bottled Snail and the production that you're putting on for Law Week in helping, you know, barristers in particular engage with a, a community that isn't always readily available to them? Absolutely, and that's a large part of the reason why I first became involved and why I auditioned for this production of, of 12 Angry Men in 2013 was that I had moved from Canberra to Melbourne to go to the bar. So I came knowing virtually nobody in the legal profession and thought, well, this is a great way to get to know some other barristers, which it was, and basically made me part of what I refer to as the bottled snail family, which I feel that it is. People come into the productions and, and sometimes they just come in for one play or one musical and then they, they move on. But a lot of people find that they really do become taken in by the whole thing and being part of this great organisation. 
and they stay on and they become members of the committee or they're involved in multiple productions or they decide to direct or produce their own production and they take an idea to the committee and float it and see where they go. So, uh, yeah, I think it's very important. I have found the Victorian Bar to be very welcoming. I found that from the moment I came here. I had heard about that about the Victorian Bar before I moved here and I very much found that to be the case. But I think these sorts of organisations, creative organisations, do help people to come together and provide a forum for you to meet other legal professionals. Can you tell me a bit about your practice and what matters you tend to act on? I work predominantly in commercial law which is a change from what I used to do. So I practised as a prosecutor in Canberra, but when I moved to Melbourne, I made a decision to go back to commercial law, which is what I had done before I moved to Canberra. So commercial and administrative law, a lot of my commercial work is in building and construction, but I do all types of commercial work. So who, who actually wrote this production and, and how did this script and this book you have sitting in front of me come about? Well, the book is uh, by a lecturer at Canterbury University called Stephen Todd. He's a law lecturer and he's written a great book called Leading Cases in Song. There's also a professional CD available from the Leading Cases in Song website and the songs are almost all set to Gilbert and Sullivan tunes but they're, as the name suggests, they're clever songs about famous cases in the law. And two of the operettas are written about the famous cases of Carbolic Smokeball Company and Donoghue and Stevenson. The way that I came across the book Leading Cases in Song was there was a copy in the office of the director of the Law Library of Victoria, Laurie Atkinson. She showed it to me one day and I thought, well, this looks great. And that was a couple of years ago and it took me a couple of years to get my act together and uh, actually work up a team with our producer, Eliza Trembath, and our great accompanist, Genevieve Trin, and to put it on as part of Law Week this year. I should say that um, Stephen Todd is actually going to be present. Fantastic. He's flying in from New Zealand for the performances and, in fact, there is coincidentally on the Thursday of Law Week, the 17th of May, I'm directing one of the concerts that we have on the third Thursday of every month, Lyrical Lunchtimes in the Law Library. It's a series of free concerts at 1.15pm and Stephen is actually going to be doing a performance at that concert, which will be a sneak preview of his work that you'll be able to see later that night on the Thursday night, which is the opening night of Famous Cases. Fantastic. Does it add a whole new layer of pressure to have Stephen there at Famous Cases, seeing the interpretation of his work right there in it, front of him? It does a bit, yes. It is a little bit scary, but he's uh, we've never met, but we've certainly corresponded a lot via email and he's a lovely person and I, I hope he'll just be really happy with, uh, with what he sees and hears. I'm sure he will be. Kylie, thanks very much for being on Lawyer by Day. Thanks for having me. Lawyer by Day is made by me, Mark Tyndall. If you want to learn more about the Law Week program, jump on the Victoria Law Foundation website. Again, it's www.victorialawfoundation.org.au. I always love hearing from listeners. I'm contactable at mark at lawyerbydaypodcast.com. You should definitely sign up to our newsletter at www.lawyerbydaypodcast.com. And I look forward to chatting with you again very shortly with another episode for Law Week. Just give us more.
Now I'm just hoping I got the facts of the cases right. Oh, well, <laughs> when you read them, like it all came back to me as soon as you were talking about them. It all made complete sense based on what I'd learned. But that was a few years ago. No doubt some legal snob will contact someone, me yeah, and tell me that I've got something wrong. Actually, it was. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't unilateral. Well, it wasn't actually. Oh, well, they need sorry. to come to the show then and, <laughs> and have the discussion there maybe afterwards with the crew or with the, the producers. <laughs>